0: hi
1: everybody i'm sam and biz and i'm alexi welcome to a new episode of nymphette alumni um Alexi, why don't you take it away and describe what we're going to be talking about today?
2: <clears throat> okay, sure, I will. And sorry about my voice this episode, guys. I am a little bit sick. A few weeks ago, we were feeling <clears throat> inspired by some images, as we often are. And among those images were, I mean, I was looking at the art of Jamie Hewlett, who's an artist slash illustrator who's responsible for the visuals behind Gorillas and Tank Girl. And the Big Red Boots came out, and also we were getting really obsessed with Tokidoki, and general kind of <clears throat> Japanese-inspired but distinctly 2000s to 2010s um, visual style. Sorry, yeah, I think that yeah. wasn't very good. No, I <laughs> that think
0: good. that was good. Also... I think- gorillas just had a new album come out called cracker island so i think yeah on a larger scale people are thinking about them a lot more right now
2: and i was reading about their lore because they have a lot of lore i like mm-hmm. k-pop idols but also they had a very strong visual identity and like narrative as a group just like fake stuff that happened and also the main inspiration within gorillas is this character called noodle who's their guitarist and she's a Japanese girl who was like thirteen or fourteen when they started, but she—I oh, wow. mean, she's not real. But also, she. Oh, no, like... I know, what I know. Like. But <laughs> <laughs> I like,
1: mean, has she uh, aged? Has she been she like? Has, yeah, now okay. she's in her
2: early twenties, like me. Young. Oh my
1: god! Wow. Okay,
0: so she's so. aged. And
2: she's a woman now. She's a young woman, but also she was just like a kind of
0: child laborer.
2: Her whole vibe was like she didn't speak, but she was like a deadly assassin and very spunky and wearing these clothes like she had a bob and was always wearing kind of like headphones or a hat that was like a newsboy hat and it reminded me kind of of sucker punch too this vibe of like precocious young warrior woman
1: yeah yeah the gen Z bandmate at Mm-mm. in gorillas yeah and it's also i think part of the reason why it has such like a strange vibe around it it's like it's like a band made by graphic designers like literally graphic designers like decided to like make a band and like creative direct just like this weird project and like i don't even know who the real who are them wait who are the musicians it's the guy from oasis oh you're no. kidding which one liam
0: wait,
2: damon
1: alburn oh damon alburn okay
0: mm-hmm. well uh- Wait, he's wait no, he's guy. from Blur. Sorry, yeah, yeah.
1: I was like, what?
0: Yeah, no, it's not the Gallagher brother.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? I think like, that's really. I,
0: he was
2: that's no, but I... the reason I thought that was because he was like desperately trying to get away from Britpop, so this was like his yeah. escape.
0: Oh, interesting. He was like,
2: I'm tired of being Blur. I'm tired of being like paired up with Oasis and like people. I I don't want them to remember me for this,
0: but and I want to become Noodle. Yeah,
2: he wants to become <laughs> Noodle. They also had this thing where. Um, the idea to create girls came about when Damon Albarn and Hewlett, Jamie Hewlett, they're like graphic designer, they were watching MTV.
1: Oh yeah, it does give a little bit, What what is it called, Um, that MTV, or like Aeon Flux was one of the cartoons on there. Um, yes, Uh, I I mean they just used to play like trippy
2: stuff on there and also they were like one of the biggest supporters of experimental animation. Like they would hire a lot of animators like that was kind of their come up is doing like visuals for MTV like between the music videos.
0: I think all of our episodes recently keep coming back to MTV which is so interesting. I know.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I have to look up. Maybe we should do an MTV episode. That would be so fun.
1: Oh I would love that.
0: I would love that yeah. We need to reach out to MTV. I feel like we grew up in the time where MTV was like considered really bad for the culture, which I know it was during its music generation time as well. But like now I've reframed it in my head.
2: I think I was watching MTV well past its prime, and there were two music videos that I remember them playing constantly. Like if I turned on my TV after school, there was like a 90% chance one of these videos was playing. And one of them, was the gorillas video for stylo i think is the name of the song where they're like in a getaway car and like they're being chased by cops through a desert Mm -hmm. and it was like so visually appealing to me as a kid because it had a mix of this like 2d animation style but also like the cops and the car and the road was real but they were in the super flat so to speak and then the other one was tightened up by the black keys oh had this kind of like dusty like cassette like I don't know, filter where everything looks like dusty and indie. And I don't know, it was very. Wait, interesting yeah. Know.
0: You know what's interesting? I just remembered that Ace Spa, uh mm-hmm. the K pop group who also has their a ton whole of thing more, is Into the Flat. Into the Flat, yeah. Uh-huh. That's so funny. Into the Super Flat.
1: Um, We're really. Um... Excited talking about this a bit because I think this kind of started a little bit more with Toki Doki and stuff. And then as discourse started to pop off with mischief boots and a lot of like cartoon discourse of like those Sailor Moon shoes that were just,
0: um, that just went really viral. What are those?
1: It was the Sailor Moon collab with
0: oh, with Jimmy Choo. Jimmy they Choo. Did... Yeah, we should also mention all of the Webe's, all of their kind pixelated of shirts, yeah, their pixelated shirts, and also their like also little plastic shoes that they do. Yes. yes.
1: Yeah, it's a very polypocket Pocket dress, um, which I think there's been a lot of discourse on TikTok about it. Um, I feel personally a little bit dissatisfied with the discourse. Like I think it's interesting, but I think there's like a lot more to it. Um, we did a lot of research for this one and thankfully there has been an enormous amount of academic research and entire fields of study dedicated to like Asian globalist aesthetics that have like influenced the world. Like kind of around the same time that we're talking about in the 2000s right or something like Tokidoki or um or even like gorillas even though that's not Asian it's definitely like Asian inspired there, there's just like a lot of discourse around that and super flatness of course is like a whole practice and like art movement and so there's a lot of yeah. discourse on that and we found some really interesting articles on it um should we yeah,
0: start I, where should we jump let's, off we should introduce yeah. Tokidoki because it's yeah. one of those brands that even if you don't know what it is you've probably seen it uh and i think sam you had a kind of good description of how it came to be in yes the 1990s
1: yeah so um Doki, i think a lot of people will be familiar with it if they look it up i like didn't realize that that's what it was called it was just something i bought a lot as a kid it would be sold at like spencer's or like hot topic and stuff mm-hmm. um and it's this um fashion brand that was created in the 1990s by a graphic designer called Simone Legno. And it didn't an start out as a, an Italian. Yes. He's an Italian graphic designer. Very important for the, for the narrative of this episode. But um, this did not start off as a fashion brand or even just like a brand in general. It was just kind of like his personal designs on his graphic design portfolio, like that he had on his website and he just kind of had these like little fun things and they started really popping off and blowing up um, within the graphic design world in the nineties. And he became the creative director for ViaNet, which is an Italian design firm that used a lot of like Asian symbolism in their marketing. They did a lot of car commercials that featured sort of like Asian symbolism because they targeted both a European and the Asian market, but they're also an Italian graphic design firm. And that caught the attention of one of the founders of Hard Candy, Buna Mahajer, who um, approached Simone about starting a fashion label based out of Los Angeles? And they established the brand Toki Doki in 2003. And they're really fam- f- famous for collaborating with a bunch of brands in the early 2000s, like Sanrio, La Sport For Narnia, which are all Japanese and American and Italian brands, respectively. Um, and it's kind of like known for its attack on the senses, like very super flat congested, vibrant designs, and it features a lot of Asian women um, and a lot of kind of like kawaii little characters. Um, and even in the 2000s and stuff, there was a lot of discourse surrounding Simone Legno's Asian influence in his designs, and people are accusing him of Orientalism. We found some articles talking about him specifically, and his fascination with Asian culture kind of does need to be set into context, which I think is a like the context will lead to a commentary on the larger state of like global capitalism a little bit but something that's like important to note about simone legno is that he grew up in italy in the 1970s and italy was one of the first european countries to import anime and from 1977 to 1980 there was more than 100 anime series that were broadcast on italian television they were dubbed in italian and so like Anime was like an enormous part of Italian childhood in the 1970s when Simone was a child. And yeah, I think one of the essays we found, which is titled Tokidoki, Cute and Sexy Fantasies Between East and West, argued that this like fascination with Asian culture within Tokidoki needs to be framed in terms of the present global diaspora and the hybridization of cultural signs and symbols, which kind of requires a broader critical approach than that provided by, like, a critique of Orientalism. And the authors of this essay were two academics. One of them was Japanese, and the other one was Italian. And so they both had, like, a lot of, like, things to contribute to it. But yeah, I think, how would you guys describe Tokidoki, like, as, as, like, a visual brand?
2: I think that, you know, as of these days, they've leaned more into, like, a Funko Pop-esque, like, universe where there are certain characters who have certain alleged Traits, but I think the stuff that made uh, Semodelenio his original imagery is that combination of like a sexy Asian woman who is like larger and very spelt and kind of like I don't know fashion model looking. The contrast between that and like this clutter of minions, rounded and like sticker like like an explosion of these little characters on such a small scale.
0: Um, yeah. She reminds me of the Lana Del Rey music video where she's like towering over Venice Beach, Los Angeles. That is always the scale of the the woman in these compositions. Just like absolutely ginormous.
2: And she's like touted up and yeah, you know, has really straight
1: hair. So there's almost like a a level of pin-up mixed with like it's definitely like something to note about this aesthetic that we're talking about specifically because I think it could get pretty broad if you start going into like 2000 super flatness which is something we will talk about a lot in this episode but like the vibe specifically that inspired this episode is like punk-esque you know it's like I think what we think of as punk in the 2000s um not real punk you know not like the people at house shows like uh, moshing but like people were maybe like edgy and had like pink tips on their black hair like that that type of like early 2000s punk I think is like a really distinct vibe um, that I kind of miss a little bit it was a little hot topicy but not as goth Um, and I think a lot of people that adopted this vibe um, were early professional creatives like I think in nowadays it's like pretty common to be like a creative director like a graphic designer because I think there's a lot more there's a larger market for that but in the 2000s if you were like a graphic designer I feel like that was such a rare job and everyone was like what like so you're like an artist like what are you like you know
0: like people are confused about it and so I think they had a little bit more like alternative clout back yeah, then a bit more of an edge I would love to talk more about the punkiness element of this because uh Alexi you mentioned in the notes that there's another side of like the super flat design style which we could call soft super flat which includes mm-hmm. like um uh, Japanese contemporary artists like Yoshitomo Nara and I was thinking about how, like, his work is so commonly used as profile pictures, especially by girls that I would say are kind of, like, on our side of the internet. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really because it has this mix between, like, cute, super, super cute, and, like, really bratty and ornery. And I think with Tokidoki and all of the different characters that are in this world, there's a punkish imp attitude to them, and I even noticed that Tokidoki describes their characters and their brand mission statement basically as criminally cute. So there's a punky element to it, but it does it is quite childlike or bratty or something quite adolescent about it that I think also matches with the idea of this first generation of like MySpace graphic designers. Yeah,
2: I feel like that's the whole thing, is the cute punk mix of things that are edgy with things that are sweet. We talked about this, I was recently re-listening to our, like, uh, Oh Mighty episode, and I think we talked about this juxtaposition then and why it's so appealing to young women. Um, because it's like, you're still retaining an element of cuteness, but still proclaiming your identity or, like, that you're different. Yeah, soft super flat is a term that I made up while working on this because um, I think this is like probably more relevant to some of our listeners than like Tokidoki or the <laughs> works of Takashi Murakami, which have become really like hypey stood out. Contemporary artists in Japan, I feel like, are more willing to like cross the line into illustration. But I know that this has like been the gateway into the art world for a lot of people so like mm-hmm. Yoshito Nara, Aya Takano who had that like infamous Issey Miyake collab in 2004, Seichi Hayashi, they're all kind of like still using cartoonish visuals but I think super flatness or at least like what we're talking about today it has like that really harsh outline and like no depth of field and high contrast. Well why really was- do
1: Yeah, why why don't we get into a kind of a a deeper explanation of super flatness? Because I think that that illustration based influence there really comes in whenever you start looking at Takashi Murakami's background a little bit. And also another thing I wanted to say before we move into that is like the little punk aspect of it. It kind of seems like pre-Banksy a little bit. You know what I mean? Like this is like what led to like Banksy or like Alec Monopoly or something like that, you know, which is like American super flatness, which just doesn't hit the same as... Japanese
0: or Asian inspired super flatness um there was also such an obsession with I guess young girls being I don't know bratty or something I'm thinking about those bunny tees that they sold at a hot topic
1: yeah no the uh, happy, happy bunny yeah and then also mm-hmm. like um what's his name Paul Frank it's like a co- mm-hmm. coconut girl super flat almost because it was kind of like a surfing brand a little bit or like a skating brand because it's based out of like California. But with Takashi Murakami, that illustration based influence is because he was really inspired by really early traditional Japanese art, which is kind of surprising to a lot of people, I think, because he also, the, the most prominent element in his work is like otaku culture. Yeah. Which at the time when he was first coming up in the 90s, it was like kind of a topic of that was experiencing a lot of criticism especially in Japan I think there was a prominent murder an otaku murder that really kind of created this panic around otakus who are like a subculture of people who are really obsessed with like anime and just like digital media and they based a lot of their lives around um these these different like media objects and the Japanese people were like kind of upset with them because the stereotype was like they they didn't work and they were just like on the computer like watching a screen all day um, which I think is interesting because I feel like this definitely, which is an obvious take, I think, but what we've seen come out of Japan in the 2000s, I think we're, we're very much like they were really early to adopt the symptoms of like a digital society. And we're seeing some of it manifest more now in America, but they're like 10, 15 years ahead of us in terms of like um, manifesting symptoms of a digital society. But Takashi Murakami wrote his manifesto Super Flatness because he and he wanted to explain that like that like flatness and non-dimensionality of his work was a commentary on how post-war Japanese society had lost a distinction between social classes and popular tastes like they had flattened and Mm. it produced a culture with little distinction between high and low And that's also why he commercializes a lot of his own work. Like he's super known for collaborating with like a million people and the most random stuff. Like I feel like most people know he was like, he designed the album cover for Kanye's graduation album and directed a music video for him. He's done Louis Vuitton collaborations. He's collaborated with Lionel Messi, with Macy's, random candy companies. I think he's most known for um, Murakami flowers and stuff. But I think at the time when he was first coming up, his most popular work was "My Lonesome Cowboy," which is just like a disgusting giant sculpture <laughs> of an anime boy jizzing in magical circles. It's like so bizarre. Okay, um, guys, love that sculpture. It's like so gross. <laughs> it's like yeah.
2: Uh, one of the things from this uh, the Tokyo Cute and Sexy Fantasies article that we're so obsessed with that really stuck with me is in two thousand three. Murakami had like an interview with journalists where he said, in Japan, art has to be accepted by the general public. And selling real art as toys at convenience stores is a progress in the long history of art. So I think this kind of like gets to the core of why we're so interested in the styles, because a lot of the things that we've like talked about in the past have been downstream from like a real subculture. It's come from like underground and like gone mainstream. But the essence of this aesthetic is either Like from the art world, like high art or from corporate visuals, like corporate visual branding and identity?
1: Yeah, I think it's just globalist marketing because all this is so marketing based, like design firms and like graphic designers are typically employed to do marketing and that type Mm -hmm. of thing. So I think it is just the commercialization of art, which is something that McLuhan talks about a lot. And I'm going to try to get into him a little bit later but McLuhan always said that like in the digital age advertising would become art and he was saying this like in the 1950s which is interesting but what I li- would like to note which is something I learned from this Tokidoki Cute and Sexy Fantasies article is that Takashi Murakami first blew up in the west and then he was re-exported back into Japan and became really popular and so he found a lot of success within the art world in a foreign country and That was kind of the basis of the thesis of this article that we were reading, which is basically that like, it's very difficult to define a culture internally. Self-defining is like almost impossible within globalism. Culture identities are constantly in a state of redefining themselves in relation to their contemporary circumstances. And our contemporary circumstances are that we use commodities that are globalized to define ourselves, right? And so this article is arguing that it's like actually quite useful to see people like Simone Legno define a type of Japanese culture and like re-export it back into Japan where it was very popular as like a form of cultural definition. It's this kind of like reciprocal relationship. Yeah, I think we talked about this a little bit in the Americana episode with Japanese brands appropriating American culture and like repackaging it and defining what it looks like to be America, and like reselling their idea of America back to American consumers with like enormous success.
0: Yeah. I think we've also been talking amongst ourselves about how on Avery Truffleman's podcast, articles of interest, she talks about how uh, Ivy style was really first defined by Japanese businessmen who wanted to sell it in Japan. And then basically created this amazing document of, uh, American Ivy style that Americans now look back on as a document of that time. And then they obviously um started manufacturing it in Japan as well. And we saw we saw that reciprocal relationship happen there really distinctly. Um but I still don't think that many people know about that. Like when I was listening to Article of Interest, I found it in, I found it to be an article of interest. <laughs> um to be honest.
2: That's this style there's a really interesting part of this um, article by Okayama and Rikati <laughs> that where he gets into like the idea of chaos that I thought was really fascinating. Um, And he talks about how Leno was uh recognized the influence of Takashi Murakami. And he said, Murakami tamed the chaos of images, icons, characters, and inputs to make us all understand how wonderful its essence can be. Dot dot dot, the authors of the article say to... Lanyo into like the tokidoki universe chaos isn't a dark hole in which one becomes lost but a childish flat world where we can from our external position as amused spectators spend time looking for cute little surprises so like this intricacy and this denseness that is happy i think that gives like good yeah that (laughs) sorry wait i'm so low iq right now no it's
1: okay I do want to talk Ugh. about the clutter core of it because this relates kind of to the discourse that's happening right now with super flatness. Yeah, there was a an article in Spike magazine titled "Tragedy in the Super Flat" by Daniel Moldvainou. Shout out listener of the pod. Really, oh my yeah. god. Okay, hi Daniel. <laughs> um, if you're listening, I liked this article a lot. I found it really hard to read because of the a font that they used on there, but that's not your fault. And um. Yeah, he was talking about equating superflatness with kind of this like postmodern narrative collapse, right? It's like narratives have flattened. And he references Narcissus in The Death of Tanya and White Lotus. And I did want to bring into, tie this into McLuhan because he has a chapter in Understanding Media about Narcissus and the myth of Narcissus with digital media. And it kind of does get into the flatness and like the flattening of narratives and the like chaos of Tokidoki and the clutter core of this aesthetic. And if I may read this very dense quote, McLuhan writes narcissism is from the Greek word narcosis or numbness. The youth narcissist mistook his own reflection of the water for another person. This extension of himself by mirror numbed his perceptions until he became the servo mechanism of his own extended or repeated image. It is this continuous embrace of our own technology and daily use that puts us in the narcissist role of subliminal awareness and numbness in relation to these images of ourselves. By continuously embracing technologies, we relate ourselves to them as servo mechanisms. That is why we must, to use them at all, serve these objects, these extensions of ourselves as gods or minor religions. Thus, the age of anxiety of electric media is also the age of the unconscious and of apathy. But is strikingly the age of the unconscious. With such awareness, the subliminal life, private and social, has been waked up into full view. With the result that we have social consciousness presented to us as a cause of guilt feelings. This is a really dense quote to break down. I'm not gonna like try to break it down on the podcast. I feel like that would take too long. But I just do think like that concept of the internet not being a portal to another world, but a mirror is like really interesting to relate to the numbness of things. And I do think the embrace of these constantly changing technologies, like a, a hyper interconnected world, that's like very socially conscious and socially aware does create a sort of numbness and the clutter core of super flat is really appropriate i think for the circumstances that it was birthed from in terms of like otaku culture and interconnected global market of art and marketing you know i think it's like a really intuitive aesthetic as to like communicating kind of like the feelings of living in a world like we do today
2: that's very true wait okay one thing i wanted to talk about is Fridger metro
0: <laughs> which oh, yeah. sounds
2: unreal uh if you've been on tiktok in the past few months I mean, even Days wrote an article about Frutiger Arrow, which is um this early digital collage-like aesthetic named after the Frutiger family of fonts in Windows Arrow, which is the design language of Windows Vista. Uh, Frutiger Arrow is basically like, in Frutiger Metro also, it's like desktop wallpapers from 2007 that are like the rolling hills and then some kind of like png of the globe with bubbles and fish and water splashes like these vector art images but frigid or is like more flat urban and edgy feeling as as opposed to the bright skeuomorphic naturalism of arrow and some of the motifs are like vector blooms concentric circles graffiti drips and paint splatters to like i don't know reference street art Human silhouettes, lots of flourishing lines and radial movement. Headphones, speakers, music notes, arrows, chrome black finishes, rainbows, skulls. Um, but the one thing that I noticed about all of these images when I was looking at them is that they all have this like radial energy, where like there's one point that things are like exploding out of. And this is also like we were talking about how this aesthetic came from corporate branding and desktop wallpapers to me is like the biggest example of this because this is the default thing that like many people at windows agreed this is what people want to see when they open their computer but it does have a sense of optimism about i think they were trying to visualize what it's like to go on the internet
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: They were trying to show that, like, from this one point, you open your computer and then, like, everything explodes out of it with a lot of funkiness and energy and possibilities. That's yeah, so
0: interesting. It's almost like they were trying to make it more tactile as well,
1: because
0: yeah. I think when thinking about people like, like artists like Nara's work, it's so contained within lines, but like you said there's that element of like exploding out from one point that makes the screen feel more tactile or alive versus dead yeah it's definitely something i think they were trying to encourage with all of their designs even like the rolling the rolling hills it's like traveling across those hills into the horizon
1: yeah i
0: think what's interesting
1: too is like the vector blooms aspect of it is very much like I don't know, just to, like, the analogy of, like, mirror versus portal, I think, like, the fruit of your arrows really trying to sell you the idea of the internet as, like, this portal to a totally different, like, hyper-futuristic utopian world, and, like, vector games are almost just this kind of, like, stupefying, like, explosion of, of kind of, like, peacefully stupefying, you know what I mean? Because it's, like, always very zen, I feel like it's all extremely zen aesthetics, you know?
2: I think the arrow stuff is really zen and it's kind of that like uh, early 2000s, like bamboo naturalism thing. But I think why I got obsessed with Fruitager Metro is because. It just reminded me a lot of, like, MTV and, like, my perception of what youth culture was as a kid who couldn't access it. Like, I thought that breakdancing was real. (laughs) I thought that, like, you could walk around with a boombox. I thought (laughs) that, like, you would walk into a party and it would be, like, this type of thing.
1: Maybe, like, someone would Um, be playing hacky sock, like, or something.
2: Someone would be spinning on their head. There would be a (laughs) DJ and he'd be, like wearing a giant set of headphones and like yeah it's a very cartoonish depiction of like adult life but to me the main reason why like there have been so many posts on tiktok about frutiger arrow and i think the reason why it's really like struck a chord in our hearts generationally is because it's such an aesthetic without a subculture so there's no like gatekeeping because it is just default desktop wallpaper so everyone is nostalgic for ui like a user interface mm-hmm. and I think it's the first time I've seen Gen Z be kind of like back in my day where it's not like a manufactured nostalgia but it's like an actual nostalgia for what it was like to use the internet and like interface with computers as a kid
0: yeah that is yeah. that is shocking I guess we see it in ways a bit on a smaller scale like people coveting the Victoria's Secret Instagram pictures with like the filter yeah. on in the 2010s. But that's I, like
2: even that you're like on the outside looking in and being like, I wish I was. Like, uh, this true. Girl. But yeah, for like, right. metro, you're like, it, there's nothing to aspire to. I no. mean, I just miss being myself like using yeah. the computer. It's yeah. an actual
0: experience. I also, Michelle Santiago Cortez wrote about this for ID. And in her article, if I recall correctly, she talks about how uh, a lot of this has to do with people thinking about the relationship between nature and technology which seems like more and more relevant right now because we're seeing the development of these like uh post apocalyptic aesthetics that also draw on like prehistoric mad max vibes yeah. which is really interesting to me like cuz it's an idea of like how nature and technology can work together, at least in a fruitager arrow. Um,
2: yeah, there is a lot of, there is a kind of post apocalyptic thing going on, especially the visuals of gorillas. There's always mm. some kind of like war mongering going on in their world, or like Noodle, she's like a trained assassin, but she's like a cute girl holding an AK 47. And they're always like, Yeah, why pow- do
0: they always have machine guns?
2: <laughs> yeah, they lived on this like floating island and they chipped a parachute off of it because it was getting like bombed from the air. But maybe that's like it all gives European like World War II trauma, kind of. And like Japan was such a part of that, like the atomic bomb.
0: When you said that super flat came out of post war Japan, I was like, oh my God, because they flatten the cities, like they bombed them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which is like literally true if you. It is it. true. And I,
2: I can't cite this, but I did write a lot about Japanese art when I was in college. But one of the things is that like super flatness, Takashi Murakami's like obsession with cuteness or kawaii, came out of a place of like Japan after after they'd been defeated in World War II in this like extreme way that was just so like lacking humanity and so like not traditional warfare like the world had ever seen before. It kind of infantilized them on a global scale. And so it was like almost Kawaii became like an age regression tactic for the population.
1: It's also, you know, there is so much um, the Allied Powers, like, went in and literally wrote the Constitution, like, rewrote all it, like, they they had such a hand in, like, recreating a new type of Japanese society, and, like, it really does, does feel, like, almost like a new society that's, like, young, too, you know, it's, like, post-war Japan probably did have, like, huge distinctions from pre-war Japan, you know, I mean, even just, like, um, the rebuilding of cities and stuff, and, like, that them being, like, all these buildings being new, and I feel like in America we have a little bit of that, right, because it's, like, it's not that old of a country but Japan is so so old and like um it is always shocking to travel to a place that has like a really deep history because I feel like people have like a stronger sense of like personal identity whenever they're surrounded by like thousand year old buildings and stuff and yeah I think that loss is like it does kind of give this like a like orphan energy like abandoned child a little bit because it's like you're new but also you have this like weird like trauma or something I don't know
0: yeah. it literally gives the vibe of someone who would wear Tokidoki to school. It's like the new kid <laughs> who is like yeah, a girl
1: that lives with her grandma or something. Yeah. Yeah, no yeah. no sign language. Not no sign. Language. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'll I'll edit that out. That's like No, two. that that
0: is funny. No. It's <laughs> like a niche kind of special interest that haven't caught on yeah. with the other kids yet. Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, that's what all like otaku's are kind of like. Uh, yeah, yeah, I want to talk about retrofuturism in general because this is also another thing that I was thinking of is, like, the 2000s does 50s kind of thing. Um, yeah. So the Mischief Big Red Boots we mentioned briefly, they're kind of like a reference to Astro Boy, but it also reminds me of, like, other 1950s, 60s manga, like, Speed Racer. Like, it's kind of insane to think that, like, anime visuals, like, go back to the 50s. Yeah,
1: no, but it's true. Do. And even Tokidoki um, has this sort of, like, rockabilly, like, very soft rockabilly thing because I just feel like the that haircut that the girl has. It's like I remember girls in real life having that just like thick, thick, like kind of rockabilly bangs. Yeah. Um, I
2: was also thinking of other like Western cartoons like Powerpuff Girls was also this weird kind of like semi-dystopian but also pretty like 1950s Jetsons like aesthetic. It was like same Adam as My Life is a- yeah same as same as uh, my life as a teenage robot which is on Nickelodeon. I don't know. It it also seems like this super flat thing was influenced by psychedelic design and op art which was really big in the 60s. So there's something about this convergence of atomic age futurism with the Y2K futurism. Yeah. like These are both points of really great technological advancement. But it's like a weirdly like thinly veiled optimism where I don't know wait, did you guys watch Adventure Time also that was really similar like Adventure Time was so cute it was like the invention of American kawaii this like <laughs> yeah, really interesting visual universe populated by these like sweet characters that had a dark edge to them but also Adventure Time was like it's deep lore or whatever it was that it was about like a world that had been there was like a nuclear fallout and that's why like all the characters were so weird like they were muted secretly
1: yeah that's like a a spongebob thing too everyone's like they're like they can talk and are weird because it was like a nuclear like i think bikini bottom is supposed to be like under
2: where they tested yeah the first atom bomb yeah
0: talked about the the tiki episode Yeah,
2: yeah yeah the the dark like coma it's not coma theories but it's like real like i think that
0: cartoons are secretly dark they all give like it's a simulation energy yeah
1: well I think what's kind of interesting is like it's coming from you know what you're saying about like these like two really new technologies like the atom bomb and then also the internet like changing the world in such drastic ways in like a really short period of time and the atom bomb caused I mean, that was like kind of a very dark technology, right? Like it's like, I am become death, like of worlds <laughs> or whatever, like the super dark thing. And then the internet being invented because partially because of the atom bomb, you know, like that, that being such a positive, like new thing, I feel like people are really excited to embrace it because it kind of. It, it just like that that juxtaposition it's of like solar
2: punk. The fact yeah. that the internet came as like a war technology test, but then it became this like vector bloom explosion of like infinite possibilities and yeah. joy and friendship. It gives like there's a certain type of image that I'm thinking of where it's like the wreckage of like an old world. Wait, this happened in The Last of Us, like a city where everything has obviously been destroyed, but there are like trees growing over it. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like post-apocalyptic nature.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
2: Anthropocene. Like, out of the ashes of the old world, like, something. Oh, like.
0: yeah, like, there's a scene in The Last of Us where they encounter, like, giraffes frolicking in, like, this postal pops Yeah, like, like, you know, can tell that, funny. like,
2: there had been something that was really demolished, but it's been enough time that it's a, it's a meadow. It's literally the window's meadow.
0: Yeah. Which is there's... good to think.
2: I mean, this is my whole take on apocalypse as a genre and dystopia as a genre, is that, like, realistically, if things go that badly, like, I think this is why cyberpunk is so compelling because in cyberpunk, like, it's an acceleration of capitalism to, like, its nth degree where it's just, like, everyone is really isolated but the world is still visually interesting. Mm -hmm. If the end of the world comes, it's actually going to be probably really cute. If society falls into darkness, like, there are enough graphic designers where it's going to look good. That's so true.
1: (laughs) That's really true. And I do think, like, yeah, what you were saying about... Having nostalgia for actual ui that is actually interesting because it's 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 gonna be interesting to see how gen z ages right because i think of my dad right and him driving around san antonio where he's from and he just like points out all the buildings like this used to be my doctor's office or something but like (laughs) gen z is just gonna be like oh i used to play like um like that little like i don't know i used to play like a chess game on like windows like I don't know, whatever. And just like all this, like yeah, different or like UI. A YouTube and stuff. app
2: used to be shaped like a TV.
1: Yeah. And just even like, like UI being a type of thought of as like a type of architecture, right? It's just like digital architecture and stuff. It's like you're walking around into your own subconscious because it is all just like perception, visual perception and stuff. It doesn't, it's not a place. And if anything, it's just like a, Thing that you're looking into that's like reflecting back like your own desires, right? And so it's like you're walking around in this like really dark depth of like you're it or like unconscious or something, which also probably is like, well, why the apocalyptic vibes
0: are really strong, you know? This almost feels like the opposite of Vaporwave or something. Yeah. Like Bridger Metro is like a like joyous splatter and Vaporwave is like a toxic mist, That, like, when you (laughs) inhale it, you, like, pass out. Um,
2: Wait, I also want to say that, Sam, to counter your point, I feel like back then, UI and, like, the internet, it wasn't really giving mirrors so much. I think the, the darkness that we're getting from the internet now has more to do with, like, the fact that there are more algorithms and there are more addictive, like, paths of content. But back then, like, the YouTube... Like, YouTube was what it was, and they would serve you viral videos. I mean, Apple felt comfortable enough serving us things that they, like, downloaded a YouTube album onto our phones.
1: Well, I think my perspective comes more from, like, the internet, like, the whole McLuhan thing. Like, the internet being a tool, and whenever you're using a tool, it's acting as though it's an extension of yourself, as though it's a limb. And, like, there's, like, a lot of modern, like, neuroscience that supports this like the same parts of like your brain that you're using to use your limbs like it's it's kind of the same parts that are activated when you're using a tool and stuff and so like whenever you think of it as an extension of yourself is like what is it an extension of right it's like you're using these different tools for different things and like I feel like the the use of the internet and like all of this it is like kind of an extension of like your own brain or something you know and I think that's like been but it's like that's like what people have tried to kind of achieve I think since its beginning but I do think it had way less of a, um, like the mirror effect now is like undeniable like you can't even but there it was like a lot more ambiguous back then where it was like it still could be like kind of portal-like but I think it's always been a little mirror-esque you know um, I,
2: I just think that that's where this nostalgia comes from is the fact that the internet was a much more homogenous experience in extent like today you would never see anyone use a default wallpaper that like came with your phone like everyone's way more obsessed with customizing things
0: i just want to say i have mine on but not (laughs) like because i thought it was cool to do that like instead of having a background i was being tokidoki punk or something i was like (laughs) i I don't want my own background background. oh i need a tokidoki background actually
2: it's also we talked about this in the last episode just like big corporations being less willing to take risks i think back then their method was just, like, we need these people to think we're cool. Like, we need to have cool backgrounds for cool people.
1: Yeah. But
2: now it's, like, everything's so minimalistic. It's, like, okay, you can choose, like, the black background or the white one. Yeah, like, a big... one. Like, op- just gonna fucking take it anyway. Like, we, no, we aren't, like, this... even selling anything to you. Yeah, like, it was, yeah. We don't need to market ourselves. You just, like, need this. Yeah.
0: As someone who has both the default Apple background on her laptop and her <laughs> iPhone... I'm looking at them both right now and they're just like well I actually just got a new laptop so that's why it needs to be (laughs) a a nice little painting but um I am looking at them and they're just like smooth undulating slightly different colored lines which also feels much more mirror like to me than something like Fruits Metro which does have that element of velocity and movement now Mm -hmm. it's so much more yeah about smoothness which also because the out even our devices have become smoother with more rounded edges and oh goodness yeah no it's it's so last thing i wanted to say from my reflection is that i've been doing over here is that um (laughs) like okay so there's two main browsers of the time internet explorer and safari in their verbiage it's about exploring and now we don't have that yeah. in our uh the most people use Chrome, I think, actually, right? Um, yeah, um at least of our generation. And so yeah, Chrome, once again, mirror like shine it up. You can see yourself on it. True. Well, that's what's interesting, is it's like um, yeah, I had,
1: I had, this is a direction that I did not expect the podcast to go into. So I feel like mm-hmm. I wish I had like um read more into this a little bit but i do think it's like interesting to think of like because you know you think of like the the myth of narcissists or whatever and like everyone is always saying now and even the article the tragedy the super glad it's like people are always kind of saying like he didn't know it was his own reflection and that's why like we're so obsessed with them but now it's like we know what we're looking at right like that's literally the function of the algorithm like the for you page on tiktok it's just gonna feed what you put into it and everyone is like so familiar with this and so i wonder what it's going to transform into because i feel like it's not even narcissism anymore you know um, but no, it is like, um, the roundness mm-hmm. and the smoothness and, um, internet explorer. Oh, so true. I did feel like a, like a different world. And that's what the, differentiates web one and web two is like, like the social media thing and like interactiveness of web two. And then like web one being more just like personal websites and going into a website and it not being really like a, a space for interaction. It's just like a space to kind of like read stuff. I don't know like look at memes in like a weird way I don't know I'm not like I I don't have a lot of memories of web one like I was I think a little too young to be using the internet at that time
0: but yeah web one is still like I can't tell if it's real or not you know yeah yeah, I can't imagine just going on the internet like to read things and you couldn't interact with it because then what yeah so complicated Mm -hmm. um
2: back then images took really long time to load so imagine like (laughs) this furniture metro like (laughs) image loading and you're
0: just like whoa yeah like drip by drip um yeah also i guess super flat feels so devoid of any sort of pixelation obviously it's super flat which feels really different like it feels like it's it's almost like denying the screen in a way because it doesn't have any pixeled elements where something like some blingies uh leaned a lot more into like the idea of like pixel art that kind of so they're very different um okay well we've been recording for an hour just for reference so okay. um
2: wait i want to bring some um contemporary references into this
0: oh me too yeah, yeah
2: are you familiar are you familiar with frank ocean's jewelry line homer of course no <laughs> uh wait sorry i just need to to someone back <laughs> I car. can ex
0: I can explain what it is yes. while you're. Um, oh wait, I've seen on. this. I have
1: seen
0: yeah, this. it's just it's Frank Ocean's very Y2K inspired jewelry <laughs> line that came out when he was first starting to branch out of music and have like club nights, um, and I guess really play on his icon status more or less. And it also was distinctive because it had a physical catalog book to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Alexia, I know you had some some points to make
2: yeah yeah yeah. uh this like was a reddit kind of cancel post of him but (laughs) it also kind of goes back to our conversation of like inspiration mood boarding versus ripping off um there's this y2k pioneer kareem rashid who did a lot of interiors but he also did a lot of i guess generally industrial design of blob jacks is what he was really famous for um but he made this book called digipop And the Homer aesthetic is like really, really heavily lifted from this, like these collages of zoomed in blobby. It's this kind of color palette of that time that's like pink and green and orange. Um, Yeah,
0: that feels very Bridger Metro as well, but like the girly.
2: Wait, I think I saw it called Funky Seasons. Like you know the the um iPod commercial,
0: yeah, oh yeah, yeah the, the
2: colors that were on the backgrounds of that, like it's the Four Seasons, but they're they're funky. <laughs> uh, the other things, the other thing that I thought about is Happy Nine Nine, which is like a New York City based store that sells these like kitschy cybercore goods, and they have a really cute little mascot. Um, but they made a video with Anya, who I feel like is always at the scene of the Y two K crime because she's like heaven affiliated but they also seem very um very this to me in their like clutter core uh even their website is like very fruitature not true sure. like it has that neon green and like sky blue combination
0: I just want to say Alexia you're really right about the four colors thing um I was reading about super flat pop on Kari earlier and here's their definition of four colors it's the use of uh four particularly common colors in tech and general product design during the mid-2000s electric lime sky blue hot pink and tangerine orange yeah its use was noticeable particularly noticeable during the rise of prodigy arrow and super flat pop since a driving force in these trends was the personalization of products of color see various incarnations of the ipod like the mini and the nano as well as cameras like kodak something something uh We've observed that this trend has significant ties to consumer product design in Japan, which is especially visible in stores like Daiso. The meaning of the colors has also been recently noted as possibly being a reference to the colors of different seasons in Japan, specifically pink, spring, green, summer, orange, autumn, and blue, winter.
1: Wow, oh, wow. I love that. Oh, I used to have like a lime green little digital camera and it was such, nice. it was like, it was literally my entire life. And it's still at my parents' house and I need to charge it to see if there's any photos on there. But like that, like that lime green really had a chokehold on me in this time. That was like my favorite. I painted yeah. my room lime green. Me was... too. <laughs> oh because, I, yeah. That's like, oh, uh, it's really
2: regrettable. Yeah. But also we moved out wish... of that house. So I was like, this is not my problem
1: anymore. <laughs> yeah, I had the exact same thing where we painted I my room we lime green and we like... left.
0: Generationally <laughs> defining colors, but for younger people, because obviously we have things like millennial pink, and then I don't know some whisperings around Gen Z. But I like when it's de- like lime green for the young girls. <laughs> so, I yeah. feel like we don't have that anymore. But also, I don't want really to hang out with like eleven-year-olds. So yeah. Do you think there is? like yeah. I do Millennial we-
2: pink is so lasting, though. Like even like there's something kind of that girl about it. Like anything that's pink, I think is selling really well with our generation Uh, i feel
0: like really depressed to think about like 11 year old sassy girls having a millennial pink room oh yeah i feel like you were like really claiming your independence by being like no we have to paint it lime green or like Like, my room it
2: became a green screen studio basically yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) it was giving that carly so funny
1: well i will say i have i have a friend with a kid that's like around 11 and she's she's very tokidoki like Punk, this type of thing. She yes. is so that like she still has that aesthetic a little bit, um and she's kind of like a tomboy and stuff. But she likes punky kind of like anime type things, and mm-hmm. yeah, like all of the the color scheme she wears is still like hot pink or like bright purple or like lime green. She has like black hair with the bangs and stuff, and so she is kind of like and she knows how to play like the drums. I think this is still an existing thing, just because it kids really like this. It's like what well suited for the children, you know? Because I feel like uh, they they perceive it as like being taken a little more seriously. Because they're like, oh, this is like kind of edgy, you know, but it's still like, um, yeah, like, like you know, PG, th- PG, you know? I don't know. Yeah, I'm glad kids are still interested in like the PG
2: punk of it all.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I love PG Cause punk because so- I don't
2: want them to become like skins, you know, like that actually has a side of darkness to it. I'm like, you guys need to like have a fantasy about adult life and how amazing it's going to be, and not immediately get plunged into like
0: adolescent sadness and despair. Wait, did you say skins or skims? Skins okay that makes sense now yeah Yeah. i got confused i couldn't tell if you said skims like sad beige baby vibes or (laughs) if you meant like skins as in like Fortnite skins but then i realized you meant like (laughs) um i also there probably is like it's probably in the works right now i wanted to say that the co-founder and ceo of uh tokidoki pune moheger is also the co-founder of hard candy which i mentioned at the beginning which was kind of like did you guys ever see hard candy makeup at walmart oh yeah
2: yeah that was like yeah uh, it was oh it was like a cheap version of kat von d that weird kind of like tattoo like yes. punk rockabilly aesthetic yeah
0: i said i i think it's very much like punk for 11 year old girls like just this punk which mm. brings me to the point of like Justice Punk is like putting in a pink hair extension like clip in one yes, that you got yeah. at Justice which is the same thing as like painting your room lime green as a sign of independence mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so interesting What's I would say that uh, Hard Candy really seems like it's on the decline these days their website is like a really sparsely <laughs> populated spot, uh, Shopify but toki doki weird their website has the same vibe but it's still spewing collabs like they're like (laughs) they're like a major brand partner for um major league baseball so are you kidding you you, you, I sent you the I was like I need this unicorn which was like um a tokidoki unicorn wearing um oh did you mean like sponsor Uh, that's not what I meant I meant like I meant like apparel uh partner
1: yeah, you sent that, but it's just I, like I didn't make the connection that it was Doki, Like the LA yeah, Dodgers unicorn. Yeah, I didn't make no. that connection. They're
2: really leaning into the new wave of kawaii consumption, which is like the most Funko Pop-esque mm-hmm. collectible physical item thing. One thing that I read in the article that was interesting is like, the reason why it worked so well for collabs and for real life things is because if you have something like a backpack or like a mouse pad, it's a visually constrained space that you can just fill with as many things as possible. But seems like they're leaning out of that and they're like zooming in on the individual characters and they recognize the value in, in those.
0: Yeah, I I feel that they're still marketing towards children slash, Funko Pop adults because I noticed on their website they have this format which is called blind boxes, which is like yeah. you kind of have an idea of what character you'll get, but you don't know which variety or which like skin basically you'll get in the box yeah um
1: that's very ebay core. Uh, yeah because it's like oh you yeah. can get like a rare one because it's just, like um adult pokemon trading which is like what like, is you know um the healthy besties box i have to say i i need
0: it i, need it. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> I recycling, need it i also
2: there's a paper recycling bag that has veggies in it that
0: you can i get. was oh. cracking myself up earlier because the first um so, characters were called like Donatella, like Donutella. Yeah. And they were all super based on s- sweet sugary foods like donuts. And now they have a Healthy Besties box, which I want to read you guys the characters in it. Please. Um, so it's Otis, who is a bottle of milk. (laughs) Kiki, who is a can of chickpeas. Green Bunny, who is a green juice. Chips and Chippy, who is a plantain chips and a a plantain. Greeny, who is, yeah, a recycling bag with vegetables in it. Acai, kawaii, that is so slay. And then the the rare one in it is Toasty, who is an avocado toast. Uh, Just a piece of avocado toast.
1: Yeah, with like basketball Uh. eyes. Oh no, it has eggs. Eggs, Okay.
0: Oh, I thought that was like the pit of the avocado. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, it might be.
1: I, I just got
2: chills. It's incredible. Yeah, this is. So also have, they also have the Mufia. Have you guys run into them yet?
0: Mm-hmm. It's oh. there.
2: It's like the version of this, but it's all dairy products. And so there's like, oh, yeah. there's mozzarella, who's like a kind of punk cow latte, who's a milk. bocho botjocinco, <laughs> there's Chad- a soy milk. Chad- Ch- 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 there's. Yo, the yogurt. There's half and half. There's so many of them. Yeah. I like leche. Pierre, who's some kind of
0: banana
2: banana flavored yogurt. Boba Bob.
0: I want Boba (laughs) Bob. My (laughs) husband. I also am thinking now that their main character seems to be Unicorno, who is a unicorn. And this definitely has a really big overlap with, like, the golden age of randomness online and, like, awesome sauce. Llamas uh, and unicorns. Llamas, corns, which I actually just wrote an essay about for a... For (laughs) llamacorn.com. Yeah, for corn For Tokidoki's blog. Um, I know, they are paying me in Tokidoki's. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Okay. I I wanted to make one last contemporary reference which is like honestly on the cutting edge if I could say so myself um it's this group here in London called New York which is a performance and music duo featuring uh two artists and they their their music artwork is very this like if you guys click the link that I put here yeah. It's literally Frutiger Metro. Um, And also the fact that their band, their duo name is New York, like Frutiger Metro, Metropolitan. Thoughts?
2: Yeah, it has like the splatter vector graphic.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just
2: doing it on this album art. It's so beautiful.
0: It's kind of perfect, isn't it? It, And it Uh just came out a couple days ago, night and day.
1: I feel They're, like our anthem. I did see like the Frost Children did like a little, a new music video that seemed a little Furniture Metro esque. Like it did seem, but it was like Fortnite esque. Cause I also think like Fortnite does have like the, like the echoes of, of this aesthetic in it. Yeah. This is like really cool. Yeah. It gives like big city. Cause it, it's like, um, I feel like this is like targeting children who have like big city dreams, like preteens who are like, "I want to move to like a city where I can ride the subway." I and like,
2: you know, Dare I think is a bit Frutiger Metro, like the album art for his "For Good Time." Have you seen that?
0: Um. Yeah. Yeah.
1: A li- yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, th- I think I think you're right. Yeah.
2: He's post Frutiger Metro, maybe, but also his like love of Helvetica.
0: Yeah,
1: I guess like um. This was happening around this like the this like type of punk like frutiger punk or whatever um, super flat punk was kind of like a more mainstream. It was still going on during the indie sleaze era, you know. That was like kind of yeah. a. These people were more like into. Uh, I feel like they were into like rock bands, like people that describe their bands as rock bands, you know. <laughs>
2: um,
1: but gorillas is a rock band. Yeah, exactly. You know
0: what? You know what? Totally has the to same tokidoki effects the New York mag cover reasons to love New York because it's like the yes. same where Waldo of the tokidoki universe They're like tokidoki was
1: cloud bombing
0: um <gasps> oh <God>, totally <laughs> <were> because <laughs> <laughs> it was like is that is that Donatella and unicorn <laughs> They're
2: collabing. look at they possibly be talking
0: about you guys we actually need tokidokis yeah, we could. We
1: should probably reach out to them. I feel like we
0: could. No, they love collabs. We, we know. We can find I, out wait, my
1: big
2: you. Tokidoki memory is that my uncle was married to, like, still I get chills when I think about her. She was. She looked like the Tokidoki like woman. Mm. She was a really French Canadian woman named Nadine who was a professional makeup artist. Mm.
0: Whoa.
2: And all of her stuff was Tokidoki. Like I just remember, like as a kid, like looking at her Tokidoki bags and. I was just like she had tattoos, and she had like a like that punk.
0: Where is she like, now? Side
2: pixie cut. Ooh. Where is she now? Like I, she's the one that got away for me personally.
0: <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. Oh, my big Toki Toki memory spawns back. Um, not that far ago, actually, when my mother, for some reason, for my twentieth birthday, sent me a Toki Toki notebook. <laughs> <bar. laughs>
1: oh that is so epic
0: <laughs> yeah to really my sweet. new york apartment and i actually made great use of it and i would draw on it for like years It gives uh, like
2: doodling like i was really obsessed with doodling in a toki style way where it's just like i need to fill my notebook page with as much for,
0: for some reason i was hand. in that notebook doing hyper realistic drawings of myself <laughs> <laughs> of yourself. that's really deep yeah. were you like yeah, a drawing
1: was- eyes type of person I feel like no, I. This
0: was, a, this was a few years ago, Sam. I was not drawing hyper realistic <laughs> eyes. I'm still drawing hyper
2: realistic <laughs> eyes. I mean, it just, my, I feel like my hand is possessed. Like, I need to draw them.
0: Yeah, wow, I beautiful. totally get it. I was, I was drawing hyper realistic eyes, but inside of a head, like not just by themselves. So did sense. you start with the eye? Oh, God. Did I start with the eye? I don't know what I would start with usually. Um, I've retired. <gasps> wait, guys, guys, wait. Drawing. No. Wait. This is huge. Oh, I'm Tok-
1: Tokidoki did a collab, and they made they made a Tokidoki shoe pet, like Carl Lagerfeld shoe pet. Oh yes. No. yeah. Oh, yes, no. <laughs> yes. I knew. Who's that. gonna wear
2: Tokidoki's I... in the
1: What? Me. This is wait. This is so cool. Wait, I'm gonna link it in the Zoom chat. This is like amazing. Wait, guys, yeah. I have to leave soon.
0: Okay. Yeah, let's let's wrap up because I'm so hungies. Yeah, me too. I need. I, I, need, I need to go to I, diner. Like. I need thing. a Tokidoki sandwich.
2: Yeah. I, need, yeah, I need to eat everyone in the Mufia. <laughs>
0: I need to eat Donatella. I need to eat Boba Bob. I'm
2: going to suck <laughs> on Boba Bob and I'm going to have the mango
0: yogurt
2: or whatever. <sighs> um. Hey, fuck, I literally feel like a Funko Pop adult because I need all of this shit from Tokidoki. Like I, I should do it. too. Yeah.
0: yeah, there's something they obviously know what they're doing over there in Italy yeah. slash LA slash... Iguan.
1: Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I they're still Italian, I think. Um, yeah, we we I feel like okay, I feel like Sim Simone Legno should become our new Dove Charney where it's like we're trying to get like a CEO like on the pod, <laughs> and like we try to get Dove. Tra- oh, listeners don't know this is like, dude, we are so close to getting Dove on the pod. I was on FaceTime with him like constantly, like in the trenches, and he, that guy's he was not coming on. Like he just is. He, yeah. I just
0: wanted to see Sam's beautiful dimpled cheeks.
2: <laughs> yeah. He like, yeah. for a narcissist, we literally told him that we made a full podcast episode about it, but he was, like, not gonna listen to it. Yeah. When he did just want to, like, see her boobs or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he did...
0: wanted to see some edge. Yeah, he's
1: definitely... Yeah because we were bird. so nervous
2: we were like oh my god has he heard the episode like he knows that we said he's like a pervert and he knows that we're like <laughs> we kind of said some bad things about him but he did not listen to a second of our
0: podcast no.
1: and then he was no. and he was a pervert so like we were right he was a pervert. so like yeah. you know
0: case closed Case, case closed. closed we've moved That's on so to
1: we <laughs> 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 We've moved on to Simone like now. He's our new dub <laughs> pony. <She's
0: like, laughs> like, it's like is a it reverse grooming situation
2: where we like latch onto an older man and we're just like, we
0: need him. okay. But we recently did the with another entity, which we shall not name. What are you talking about? Oh yeah, we <laughs> like, <we> like,
1: <laughs> they're like they're like four years older. Like. Yeah,
0: yeah, we like, yeah. We but we did. Anyways, this is that awesome. was a journalistic.
2: In- Intervention
0: that I did. Yeah. Also, yeah. This is general mischief. Nobody's business. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we could just do one sign off question, which is like, which Toki Doki character would you guys want to be? Let's Stop. all just take a quick scroll and then we can okay. decide. Yeah. It can be more specific, like, I want to be healthy bestie uh, <laughs> number two, or it could be like, I want to be, you know, unicorn generally.
1: Well, they did this collab oh with Laudrey which is like a Parisian pastry La brand, Roche. Right? La Ro- La Roche. They dress them Um I think I want to be Limona.
0: That sounds like you that like I feel like you would be that too. I like
1: Limon right. a lot um famously. So but wait, let me actually look at this. That that's my um off off the cuff answer.
2: I think honestly like, Mozzarella, he is, like, a main character. He's the leader of the Mufia. <laughs> but Mozzarella is loving and kind to good kids, but ruthless and feared by those who harass the innocent. Ew. He takes the milk from the bad and gives it to the oh, good. Oh my god! So he knows the good will grow up strong and healthy to protect themselves. Milk is power. Milk is protection.
0: Calcium king. Um,
2: Giving milkers. Uh, milkers. I really resonate with the Mufia and also the... the Mufia's logo the eye is a heart with the Italian flag inside of it
1: oh wow yeah Yeah, that's and you're Mm. Italian I was yeah I am yeah okay perfect
0: I'm trying to I'm trying to look at everyone right now I'm
2: sorry but why is peanut butter part of the Mufia that's on a different Mm -hmm. product yeah that's I feel like you should be a healthy bestie I
0: feel like peanut butter should not part of the Mufia either because peanut butter and milk who would ever who would ever mix those two together yeah um sorry i actually didn't know there was a character page so i was scrolling through every single
2: product i know <laughs> okay. cactus, wait we hate cactus friends honestly
0: yeah i'm not I, cactus friends is not for me i feel like the one i like the most is unicorno but i feel like i actually am donatella yeah Donatella
2: I- has a lot of really cool friends i mean i'm looking at Waffelina. Biscutina.
0: Wait, uh, mm-hmm. I could be biscuitina. Oh yeah, you're yeah. biscuitina. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I biscuitina for sure. I wouldn't mind being sweet speedster either. It was like a dog in a donut car. I like Bombolini. The ones that are
2: like monkey based, like the banana split monkey.
1: Yeah, split. Yeah, Waffolina I really like Bubble Love. I'm really attracted to this one for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. but how did you get to the character background, Alexi? I like want to read like what they're about. Oh, on Mufia, it was just like next on to
2: the landing
1: page. Oh, it's because she's she's the main. Yeah, character.
2: Donatella has one next to her that says
0: Donatella. Come
2: discovered planet Earth. Yeah.
0: Okay. Nice. Yeah, I do have a sugar addiction as the well. The lore is so... just so
2: half-assed, and it's also like they didn't even finish this sentence. What? There's like, no <laughs> period like at
0: the end. <laughs> yeah, there's no period, but they're Italian, so they can't. Yeah.
2: Oh, I feel so touched with my Italian heritage right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know
0: okay well thanks everyone for listening to this super sweet and punky episode mm-hmm. yeah
2: we hope that you have a very frutiger metro day <laughs>
0: yeah yeah no and... i
2: actually oh but like, i want this to become a real subculture
1: i think it is like
0: i see Bro, I, I see i, the I, I, I see tiktok
2: and it's like frutiger arrow mfs when they go outside and see like the clouds <laughs> 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 like
0: this was literally my subculture sitting out alone in my room drawing pictures of myself. Like,
2: yeah.
0: In the t- Tokidoki notebook I that I'm I would gonna, then take on the subway with I'm me.
2: I'm gonna challenge myself to invent a new Tokidoki character and pitch it to him via email. Ooh. Actually, I feel like you would get
1: pretty rich off of that.
0: You should name yeah. it Brooklyn. <laughs> Brookolina.
1: Brookolina.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Something around Brooklyn would be funny. Or hot dog. Oh yeah.
2: my god. Oh my god, like a New York City based one where it's like a yes. big apple and
0: mm-hmm. then there's a hot dog. Yes. Wait, that guys, word. I'm about
1: to go to the baseball game and I'm gonna I yeah, think yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna break Lent, guys. I, I'm admitting to it on air. It's like I'm gonna Bro, break you Lent.
0: Can, you I, gotta break Lent after looking at all the toky Doki yummies. It's I also know. Sunday.
1: A lot of real Catholics think it's fun to do that on Sunday.
0: Ugh. Yeah. I have
1: I'm gonna have to go to confession because I'm pescatarian for Lent, but I am about to go to a baseball stadium. I need a I need a hot dog, dude. What?
0: What are you gonna eat? A salmon? Dog? We're going no fucking way. chow yeah. down. We're I
1: both. know. I can't go to a yeah. baseball school. I've never been hungry.
0: Oh my God, I actually man. need to chow down as well. I'm so hungry. Yeah. Can we stop
1: recording? Yeah, we can. Yeah. Okay, bye, everybody. We love you. Bye, bye. bye. everybody,
2: too. And you- so, damo <laughs> <laughs> arigato.
0: Arigato. Uh- bye.